Allison. Hi, Michael. Uh, welcome everyone to Dean's Discuss COVID-19, our weekly podcast. And we're gonna dive into the research done here at UC Davis, both at the School of Medicine, as well as the School of Veterinary Medicine. And today we're gonna talk about innovation. It's happening right here at UC Davis School of Medicine on, on the UC Davis campus and the School of Veterinary Medicine. And it's all gonna be aimed toward COVID-19. That's a great topic too, because um, there's so much innovation going on. And you know, they say in any good crisis, sometimes that brings out the most creative thinking about, you know, from people. And, and we see that uh, all over the uh, nation and certainly here at UC Davis. I, I imagine every day you're surprised, like I am, Allison, of what our faculty are coming up with. Oh, yes, exactly. You know, we have uh, these town halls and you were listening to one today and yeah. we have a couple hundred people every Friday on these town halls and I'm always incredibly amazed on what's going on. And, you know, one of the strengths about UC Davis is it's got, you know, the amazing vet school that you lead and the School of Medicine and School of Nursing, but it's got engineering and ag and law and arts and letters and all these different groups. And so we get to hear all the innovation. But you know, one of the things that's been really incredible is the drugs that have come up in the clinical trials. So I just want to step back for our audience and talk about what clinical research is, because I think that's really important. You know, you get clinical research is where patients um, sign up to participate in trials and they're very, very highly regulated. I think we've talked about that before, yeah. but it's a way you get cutting edge care and for patients who are sick with COVID, that's how they get the state-of-the-art care, and, really. Yeah, and they, they probably, you know, that's one of the reasons people come to us um, to find right. out what is the, the next um, drug, the next standard of care. And so, as you mentioned, clinical trials, and we have those uh, parallel trials going on at, in our veterinary hospital as well, always searching for the very next, what's the next drug, what's the next therapy that's going to be effective. So, you know, what, what's going on right now in some of the trials uh, over at the hospital? Well, so the first trial we had was the remdesivir trial. And I think we talked about that in the past. Um, and we were able to enroll 19 patients and that trial really led to the early approval. Um, and, and now we have uh, trials about cytokine storm, excuse me, is, and that's, you know, some, so those are kind of anti-inflammatory drugs that are coming. Um, and then uh, there's a stem cell trial that's coming down the pike. You know, I'm really hoping sometime we're going to get outpatient trials. That will be key. But right now we've got trials focused on the antiviral and anti-inflammatory activity. Yeah, and that's really right in line with what uh, is coming out about the uh, effects of the virus. And these cytokine storms are actually uh, have been known before in other viral infections and are a real problem for the clinicians to treat because, yes. you know, we want the immune system there to react to the infectious agent, the virus, but we don't want it to, to overreact. And when it continues, causing those prolonged uh, inflammatory reactions, like in the lung in particular, that can be really damaging. And because of that, you know, we have to really think about what are the mechanisms behind these so-called cytokine storms. It was mentioned today in a great article in the New York Times uh, about various drugs being used. And I know there are 
in trials here at UC Davis as well. Can you tell us some about those trials? Right. So the one is the serlumab, and it's a it's a drug that's originally for arthritis, um, and it's a monoclonal antibody, and it. Uh, uh, that drug, that study is to block the protein of IL-6 in the body. Um, and that's uh, been uh, recruiting patients right now. Um, and the other thing is, is there's um, other studies coming down the pike. We haven't started some of them yet, uh, but it's really amazing to see all the opportunities. Um, you know, there was a lung transplant done, the first in the country. I saw And yeah. um, one of the UC Davis uh, uh, researchers has a radio tracer that will detect the lung damage. And so that type of tracer would be incredible for trying to look at the lung damage because otherwise the uh, patients get a lot of uh, radio uh, exposure to CTs and x-rays and things like that, mm -hmm. that we don't want to do, but it's hard to know. I mean, the lung damage I, I, is significant. So that's a huge, huge thing to be able to do that with pet tracer. And there's a lot of collaboration between engineering medicine and veterinary medicine, of course, on campus. One of the, the exciting parts about the um, interdisciplinary nature of that is that when we can get better tools like that tracer, to detect lung damage, it allows the clinicians to refine um, and grade uh, the lesions, you know, so that they kind of can determine, you know, exactly where is the patient at, what kind of forms of therapy. And in these cytokine damaged lungs, if, if they have a better detailed uh, orientation for that. So our radiologists are um, amazing with their tools uh, and PET scanning, as it's called, positive emission tomography, a big word, uh, is, uh, allows them to trace the active parts of that to, to really uh, understand what's going on in a patient. And we use the, the same kind of technology in animals, and it's really helped us refine where the lesions are at, where in the body is the damage being done. And in this case, um, as shown by the inflammatory reaction like of children that unusual Kawasaki's like syndrome that children get, clearly the immune system can get uh, dysregulated or out of whack uh, during COVID infections. Well, the other thing I'm thinking about uh, the pet tracer is, you know, we have really the world famous cutting edge explorer here at UC Davis. And I think that's Boy, we can we could really think about some com combinations there. What do you mean, um, explorer? Are they like in a ship or what? what no, what no, no, no. It's they. It's called the Explorer, and it's um, it's a full body PET scanner, um, that is quite novel. Uh, was developed with NIH money, and um, it allows uh, the patient to be scanned very quickly with very low dose radiation. And I believe that you have one over on the veterinary. We, we, we have it. Uh, we can do uh, full body PET scans for our pets, uh, actually. Uh, you know, this uh, technology is a good example. As you mentioned, it's, it's initially federal funded, but it, you know, we hope that it also attracts uh, companies here uh, to UC Davis because of that. And you know, I know one of the goals that you have and the chancellor has with Aggie Square is to, is to bring some of that technology to campus. I think in a future episode, we should talk about that. 
Yes, I think we should talk about what I've been telling everybody is virtual Aggie Square, but we'll, we're going to keep that for another conversation. Yeah. You know, I also think um, one thing I want our listeners to know about is that, you know, like COVID, if you are sick, you should really come to our health system because we have these cutting edge trials. And I mean, I could, there's several of them, the monoclonal antibody, there's a stem cell one, uh, there's, you know, that's where you get those at a school of medicine. Um, and those are the ones that are really out there. And it used to be that trials uh, took months and months and months. Um, Alzheimer's trials, for example, took years. And uh, we are, because of the rapid cycle of the FDA and the NIH and all the pharma, everybody's just kicking in to, to move the needle on COVID. And, and this, is, this is the place where you can get those trials. We hope that we will be one of the places that has some of these vaccine trials that I keep hearing about, mm -hmm. uh, because you know that's what we wanna move to is taking care of outpatients and preventing disease. But schools of medicine are, and academic health systems are the place to get the most cutting-edge trials. Well, yeah, one of the things I'm really excited about, too, is, um, you know, people from other fields that come in on a crisis like this and, uh, and bring in new tools and technologies. In your town hall today, I heard an amazing um, example where, uh, in, I believe it was from engineering, uh, where they're interested in following um, viruses, in this case, computer viruses, the methods that they look at for malware and tracing viruses is very similar to the data collected for what we do with virology and epidemiology to trace the impact of the virus and then networks of information that you have to put together. I thought that was a fascinating topic. Um, you might, uh, ex you know, where did you come up with that? Uh, um, was that a volunteer or how, oh. did that, how did that talk come about? So we've done 11 town halls and um, yes, um, that was one of our seed grants. So we put together some money from the School of Medicine and the provost office and the office of research to fund about 300,000 in seed proposals, anywhere from 5,000 to $20,000. And that was one of the pilots. And, you know, it's really interesting because um, you know, nature has some math in it, right? And, and you can really, if you allow yourself to kind of think, it, it makes sense that, you know, those two things might be helpful and um, modeling some of the things about the virus. And of course, we funded things that have to do with um, uh, economics. We funded things that have to do with social. We funded a lot of things that have to do with, uh, uh, you know, hardcore basic science virology research, but it's really been just incredible. All the people have jumped in. And then of course we got funding from the president's office um, and we also got some other funding about telehealth. So, um, you know, COVID has really allowed people to stretch their imaginations. It's been, you know, in our hospital, we, um, we had, um, we, you know, we were shut down for a while. We were only doing emergency things and we've reemerged um, and we're actually built up to full speed. Um, we had this uh, project called Restore, Renew, Reimagine that um, Dr. Kirk and I run. And the reimagine piece is so exciting. And I think everybody in terms of treatments 
has really jumped into the reimagine, including getting these, these trials up and running in record, record time. So it's really been uh, just exciting. You know, the immune response, I think, is going to be an interesting story that comes out of COVID. It um, absolutely. I, you know, I think the creativity that you're describing that uh, people bring to it, uh, where we do actually, you know, there is actually a whole school of thought around innovation that really requires uh, and, and sometimes bringing together uh, people that aren't from medicine or aren't from the sciences are actually equally as important. Um, and uh, you mentioned modeling. One of the things that we've invested a lot in over the last decade or so is mathematical modeling in addition to the skill sets of epidemiology and public health. People that do take those large data sets and of course the campus is very interested in this data science initiative, which is to really take advantage. And more and more our scientists, our clinicians are needing that help from data scientists to really do that. So these mathematical modelers are taking data from all kinds of sources. One of the ones I saw this week that was fascinating is really taking station, uh, uh, international space station data to monitor animal movements. And of course, uh, when we think about that, you say, well, why would we need to understand that? Because we're intricately linked between animals, people, and the environment, you know, one health kind of approaches, we understand that if there's an influence in the climate, for example, or if there's an influence of the environment where people are going into a diverse uh, climate where the animals may be, they may release or come in contact with animals in a new way. And that's where COVID may have come from, from that disturbance of that environment. So if we can take data in a predictive model, and the idea is that you're trying to be proactive by taking that data and say, okay, if we have a drought, if we had a flood, if we had a cyclone, a hurricane, how would that change the vectors in that environment? Well, that's the kind of data these um, data scientists are using along with our epidemiologist. And you mentioned another really important aspect, which is social sciences, you know, the, the, the cultural anthropology uh, people, the, the, the people that really help us in terms of public health intervention aspects. So we're really dependent upon social science, mathematical science, modeling more and more. Well, I would venture to say if we didn't have the predictive modeling that we've had in the country coming out of academic medical centers, by the way, um, we would not have done the shutdowns that we did and we probably would have had far more deaths um, because it was, and those models and they move and then the being able to do that and take public health data, or as you said, um, other data and then use it in a predictive way um, is is cutting edge. But I also wanted to say something a little bit that you said about diversity. So, you know, this is a great example of having a diverse group of people come together. And, you know, that uh, is such in the heart and soul of UC Davis is a diverse workforce, diverse students population and bringing all kinds of ideas in. And I think you've just hit on something about how important that is when you bring in diverse schools of thought about a problem. So you bring in some engineers and veterinarian people and 
or maybe we'll throw in a few of the lawyers and uh, uh, all those people in to think about how we solve this we problem. We have to throw the lawyers into it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Right. No, you know, I, I'm married to one. So oh, okay. We gotta, right. we gotta throw those in too. I'm married uh, to a nurse. So uh, we have <laughs> we'll to talk about, in. we have to talk about nursing. So. We've got the school of nursing, the school of law, you know, vet med, ag, you know, you put all those great minds together and you begin to say, okay, how could we solve this problem of COVID? And um, every time I turn around, I realize that all those other brains are looking at it from a different lens. And I think that's one thing we have to understand is I look at it from my MD lens and you look at it from the veterinary lens. And when we bring all these other people in, it's just a different lens. And that's one of the things I think it's really taught us is um, the power of bringing people together with different lenses is really going to help us move things forward. You know, and I think that's a really important theme. Uh, you know, obviously in our society right now, we're facing the tension of not really recognizing the power of all of those points of view. So Black Lives Matter movement is really, uh, while we're, we, you know, we're facing social injustice, it also affects science. Uh, because if we don't have uh, the views culturally, uh, you know, the, the different aspects of that coming together, we miss out on key aspects. And right now with social disparities in healthcare, uh, social disparities in access to education, you know, we are losing out on that brain power, those ideas to really solve societal issues. So one thing I'd like to encourage all of our audience to become involved in is is social justice. This is a heart and soul of UC Davis. And it's something that we believe in. I'm a first generation uh, college student and I, I really believe in access. Uh, you know, it, it motivates me to uh, provide access. And without those uh, brains coming into the system, without that talent, you are not going to solve our problems that we really need in our society. So thank you for for pointing that out because that's really critical to, to a lot of our uh, efforts here. So um, I, I met with um, uh, White Coats for Black Lives, six students uh, the, this week, and um, it was really powerful um, looking and, and listening to their suggestions about the School of Medicine and how uh, our health system can uh, do some things better. And it was so wonderful that the students were so engaged in offering their suggestions. And um, we took lots of notes and one, they were wonderful ideas. And so it's really that diversity of thought that helps move an academic institution like UC Davis forward uh, quickly. And it's been the diversity of thought that we brought to the table early on in COVID as uh, the all of the country looked at Sacramento as the first uh, community-acquired case, and that's really helped us move everything forward. So it's truly, truly is just the heart and soul of UC Davis. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so proud of everybody and how they've contributed. That creativity really extends, uh, you know, with when we do have that diversity of thought, that diversity of cultures come together. It goes beyond uh, our university. It really is a global uh, impact. So for example, some of our very best and most impactful programs are international and global. Uh, one of those is the USAID funded PREDICT grant. And that whole grant is really 
to work with many different cultures. We, you know, that cultural competency is critical to allow us to do our jobs. And one of the jobs is to work with those countries in their country uh, with their resources and really understand how can we find uh, the sources of epidemics, but how can we build the capacity in those countries? And what's really was fascinating, even though we did not know COVID was coming along, a lot of that capacity that was built up from that PREDICT grant in those over 30 countries that that grant was in are the very first ones to be testing COVID now. And so that capacity, even though they're out of the country at this point and the, the grant is less well-funded, uh, they're actually left a capacity to continue that testing. So one of the, the, the you know, revelations of innovation is that that diversity is really critical you can't be creative if you stay in a silo. And uh, we have not, uh, we, you know, we really consciously try to put programs together that bring those thought leaders together from multiple different cultural aspects, multiple different society uh, distributions. Uh, and we really need to continue to do that and recruit uh, underrepresented minorities into the sciences to really bring those ideas forward or we're just gonna be stuck uh, yeah. And so that, that's a great point. So that uh, is one of those things I'm so proud of the medical school for the, um, the diverse uh, student population they have and their commitment to, as you said, social justice um, and really caring for um, uh, people and all people, making sure they all have access. And, and that's one of the things as we've talked about research and we've talked about COVID and, you know, um, we need to make sure that we're bringing everybody into the tent because uh, COVID is affecting um, disproportionately um, some of the underrepresented groups, and we need to make sure that they get access also to these research trials and other things, because that's incredibly important. You know, this has been really a great discussion, Michael. It's just, I'm so looking forward to uh, talking more about innovation um, during this kind of COVID. It's just been amazing. Um, yeah, thank you, Allison. I'm Michael Lermore, Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine, and you've been listening to Deans Discuss COVID-19. Be sure to, to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of these. And I'm Allison Brashear, the Dean of the UC Davis School of Medicine. We welcome your ideas and topics for the future episodes. You can email us at deansdiscuss at ucdavis.edu. In the meantime, you can visit UC Davis edu backslash COVID-19 for the latest coronavirus research and news from UC Davis. We'll see you next week. Bye.